So as the Torah is telling us, we're in the Kutasichis volume 20 by Yetzei Sicha 1. Yaakov leaves his parents' home to go to his uncle Lavan to establish his life, where he's going to spend now 20 years building a family and building a life and, and building the Jewish nation. So the language is, he came to the place and he slept in that place. That's where we had the dream with the ladder. Says Rashi, that uh, brought from the Medrash, that here he slept, in that place he slept, to the exclusion of the fact that he didn't sleep in other places. What are the other places? So um, he didn't sleep uh, for the 14 years that he spent in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver, where he studied Torah. Or, alternatively, he didn't sleep for the entire 20 years by Lavan. He just was overworked. He was totally dedicated to his work. However, here he slept. This is the only place. So, in, con in connection to this, the Medrash says that uh, what was he saying during those 20 years by Lavan when he needed the extra energy, the extra spiritual boost? So, the Medrash tells us that he said Tillam, according to one opinion, in general, Tehillim, and it's rooted in a verse that says, You, Vata Kaddish, Yoshev Tehillis Yisrael, you, Holy One, you uh, have established, you sit on the praises of Israel. Israel is an allusion to Yaakov, saying his name is also Israel. And Tehillim's praises is an allusion to Tehillim. So he was saying Tehillim. And the other opinion is specifically not just Tehillim in general, but the 15 chapters of Shir Hamalos from chapter 120 to 134. Those are the ones that he was saying. Uh, it's known that there are 15 chapters of Shir Hamalos, the Song of Ascents, which which later was sung by the Levim and the Levites on the steps of the temple. There were actually 15 steps uh, separating one section from another. And this too was hinted in the verse that the language is Shir Hamalos le David Yomar na Yisrael. So says Israel. Again, an allusion to Yaakov. So he was either saying Tehillim in general or specifically to Shir Amalas. And the Rebbe says, I understand why he's saying Tehillim. Because he needs help to survive the exile spiritually and otherwise. And we know the power of saying Tehillim. It's uh, King David accomplished, beseeched Hashem and accomplished. That when a Yid says Tehillim, even if he's just saying it without knowing what he's saying, it's as powerful in terms of its reward as one who studies Torah with the greatest toil and the most challenging areas of Torah, known as Nagoyim Ba'olas, the laws of leprosy and the laws of... of potential uh, impurities, you know, you get reward if you study Torah that's difficult and challenging. Aha, you say Tehillim, just saying it. It's as if you study the hardest areas of Torah, which is one of the reasons why we spend a lot of time saying Tehillim. It's tremendously rewarding spiritually and otherwise, and protective. So we understand why Yaakov would opt to say Tehillim. But why specifically, according to the other opinion, would he say the, the, the Shir HaMalos? What's the connection? to the Song of Ascents. So, um, the Rebbe suggests an answer that based on the Chidah, that teaches us that the patriarchs, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they have something special about the number 15. Hence, it makes sense that he's saying this Shir Amalos because they're also in the number 15. What's the connection of 15 to the patriarchs? They all lived together for 15 years here on earth. And the math is very simple. Avram was 100 years old when he gave birth to Isaac, Yitzchak. Yitzchak is now 60 years old when he gives birth to Yaakov. 
So by the time Yaakov is born, Avram is now 160. Avram passes away 15 years later at 175. So for those last 15 years, the three Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, lived together. And that becomes a special thing. You want all the patriarchs? you got to employ the number 15. Hence, says the Rebbe, perhaps that's why Yaakov was busy saying the Shiramalos, these 15 Psalms, because he wanted the merits of the patriarchs, not just his own merits, but the merits of Avram and Yitzchak as well to protect him in this exile that he was in. And then the Rebbe goes further. Why is it so important to him to get the merits of all three patriarchs? Why is it not sufficient to have his own merit? So the Rebbe quotes a mimer, a Hasidic discourse of the Tzemach Tzedek, which describes a method for a person, an important method for a person to win the battle against the Yetzirah. And it's a method that's derived from the tactics of war at that time. At the time of the Alta Rebbe, of his grandfather, that at that time, the tactic of war was that the, you would approach an enemy on three sides, head on and then right on left, and the opposing team would do the same, and you'd battle it out. That was the way it worked. There was a particular war at that time, the time of the Alta Rebbe, says the Tzemach Tzedek in this mimer, that there was a victory. There was a decisive victory. And how was it? Because instead of just going like the enemy, uh, you know, those three positions against these three positions, what they did instead was they took all three positions and attacked one of the enemy's position. So it's three against one, and they were victorious. So in the Mimer, the Tzema explains, if you want to win the Yetzahara, don't go one against one, go three against one. What does this mean? That we know the three primary emotions are Ava, Yirah, Rachman, love and awe and compassion. But there's a battle about them. They exist both in the godly soul and in the animal soul, both on the good side and the not so good side within us. The good side has love and it's opposed by lust. Love can be lust if you don't control it. The good side has awe and humility and discipline, whatever goes in the category of Yira, the left column, the left army tactic. But on the negative side, the animal soul, your enemy within, also possesses the attribute of Yira, namely uh, fear, anger, hate, uh, insecurity, all of these things that can be terribly negative. And the same thing is in the area of compassion as well. So these three primary emotions, these three primary platoons that the soul has with which to wage the battle are opposed directly with the Yetzirah, with the Nefesh HaBambas, with the animal soul, who has the, the, the precise three battalions. So how do you win? So you could try to win one against one. You could try. God forbid I'm overtaken by lust. I can win it and say, no, 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 I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to focus on love. Instead of lust, God forbid, being in control of the Yetzirah, addictive type of love. No, I'm going to focus on meaningful love to man and to God, uh, etc. I'm going to fight it. And the same thing in, in on the left side, on the other side, and in the middle column, instead of uh, being, uh, being afraid of, of, of people, I'm afraid of Hashem. Instead of having hate and anger, I can have self-discipline. I could try to fight it. 
But the problem is I'm, I'm, I'm fighting on the same column and I could lose. If I'm fighting lust with love, love can turn into lust because it's in the same general neighborhood. I'm in the mode of love. I'm in the mode of, uh, of, of love means everything is revealed. Everything is good. I'm attracted to something. I might be attracted to goodness, love of Torah, love of Hashem. But being that I'm in the mode of attraction, my enemy could grab me into lust because it too is attraction. And the same thing on a negative side. When I'm in the mode of 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 condensing, of, of being condensed, of being of, of being uh, uh, contracted and withheld in awe of Hashem and in precision of the mitzvahs, which is beautiful. I'm very self-disciplined. I'm like in a space of of anger against the negativity and the Yitzhahara. Anger can flip over to anger in the wrong way. And hate and 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 uh, and, and, and being hurtful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if I go one on one, and the same thing is in the middle column, when I'm fighting with an enemy who's so to speak unequal, and in the same approach in terms of our service of Hashem, we can easily understand how that could be won and it could be lost. You, you got to flip a coin. Who's stronger? It's tough. It's difficult. There's no guarantee you're going to win. However, so what's the answer for a yid? You've got to employ all three. Abaydis Hashem is always three-pronged. Hence, we keep evoking the the, 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 the three avos in everything that we do. Because the three avos are these three attributes. Avram is love, and Yitzchak is awe, and Yaakov is the middle column of compassion, which which also represents the three columns of, 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 of Torah, Avodah, Gemilus, Chasadim. Torah study being Jacob and Avodah prayer being Isaac, who's the sacrifice, and Gemilus Chasad, acts of kindness, which includes all of mitzvah to try acts of kindness to Hashem. That's the, the, the column of Avram. When I employ all three, I win the battle. I'm serving Hashem on a three pronged, it's like a tripod. It is said that the tripod is the most stable thing that is that exists. It's impossible to topple it. My service of Hashem is not one dimensional, it's three dimensional. So if God forbid, uh, you know, if I'm in the mode of love, I'm just a loving person, and I use love to love Hashem and love the Rebbe and love Torah and love a Yid, it's all good. But when lust wakes itself up within me and tries to grab me, I got the other side of discipline. I also have the middle column. I, I, I'm balanced. There's no way that the lust can get me. And the same thing if I'm more of a Yira, Gevura, self-discipline type person, there's no way, though, that I'm going to fall into anger and, and hate because... I'm not just about discipline. I'm a balanced person. I have the other side as well. And therefore, the minute I feel that negativity in the wrong place, the love kicks in, the holy love, and balances it out. And therefore, says the Tzemachtadik in that mimer, if you have all three battalions against each one, you win. And that's the way a yid is supposed to be. That's why in Torah and Judaism, there's never a one-dimensional service of Hashem. You can't just spend your life studying Torah. Or spend your life just doing chesed to others, or just doing mitzvahs, or just davening. Even though you might excel in one or the other, you got to have all three, and hence you win the battle. Says the Rebbe, it makes sense, therefore, that Yaakov Avinu employs the memory and the merit of all three patriarchs by, by reciting the 15 chapters of Shir HaMalos, because the 15 chapters... The number 15 is, is, is evokes the patriarchs because they lived in this world for 15 years together.
Um, in a footnote, the Rebbe brings an interesting thing that this concept is spelled out also in the story of Yaakov in today's portion when he meets Rachel. And uh, uh, all the shepherds are trying to take off the cover to the well and they have to wait for everyone to get together and it's a problem. And Yaakov in one second can take it off. And the language is that all the shepherds and all the herds have to come in order to do this, in order to be able to uncover the well, whatever the wellspring means spiritually. You need all of them. And Yaakov is able to do it single-handedly because Yaakov contains them all. Partially because compassion contains the right and the left column, but by extension more so that Yaakov... Um, Brings together all of the uh, all of the herds, all of the shepherds from all the columns, being the third of the patriarchs, and therefore he is able to uncover the well and bring forth the living water in the spiritual sense. So now we understand further why he said the Shiramalas. It's not just a cute allusion to the 15 years that they lived together, the 15 Shiramalos, but it's actually more about a content, a connection that uh, the, the three patriarchs. Joining forces is what helps Yaakov and, by extension, every year to win the spiritual battle in Golos. Then the Rebbe goes further. And the Rebbe says that the number 15 also has more of a meaning. So far, the number 15 is just, it happens to be that they spent 15 years together in the world. And therefore, if you want to employ their togetherness to win this battle, you got to do Shira Malos, which is 15 chapters. But it seems like random. Now, so the, Rebbe, the number 15 is a very important number in Judaism. It represents the name of Yudke, the first half of Hashem's name. We know the full name of Hashem is Yudke Vavke, which is 26. However, the first half of Hashem's name is Yudke, which is 15, which parenthetically is a big part of Judaism. To connect the Yudke to the Vavke. We say this in our morning prayers, L'Shem Yichud Kuchabrichu, that we're doing the mitzvahs, the whole day's worth of prayers in Torah study and mitzvahs is in order to unify the name of Hashem. Because there seems to be a split between Yudke and Vavke. Why? Yudke means God's level of intellect. And Vavke means the emotion and the action. As explained in Tanya, Yud is a small letter and it represents Chachma. Because Chachma is the creative thinking when it's just a spark. Hey is Bina where it, the, the idea is developed and hashed out and applied. And that's why the letter Hey is, is wider and taller than the Yud in both directions. The breadth and the length, so to speak. And it's not just a creative idea, just a spark of wisdom like Chachma. But Bina means developmental thinking. So the Yud and Hey represents these two attributes in Hashem. In general terms, God's thought process, God's inner workings. Vav and He is God's expression to the world because Vav is the number six, which is the six emotions, correspond to the six days of creation. And why so? Because emotions is what creates. You only act on emotion. You don't act just because you have an idea in your head. But only when that idea triggers emotion are you moved to act. And therefore there's six days of creation because there's six primary emotions, six emotions. That's the Bav. And the last hey is Malchus, which means royalty, manifestation, actuality, or in our terms, you might say the three garments of Machshaba, Dibiramaisa, thought, speech, and action, hence the three lines of the last hey. So, and when we talk about this, is uh, we talk about the name of Hashem being split, and this is a big deal in Torah. And we say that, that you know, Amalek, 
the, the enemy of Hashem, the enemy of Torah, splits that name at the end of Parshas B'Shalach. When Amalek comes, Hashem swears by his name, and over there the name that's employed is the name Yudke. Why? Because Hashem swears that I'm going to uh, reunite my name. What does this mean in plain English? There's a split in the name. There's a split identity. We live in Hashem's world, which is a product of Vavke, God's emotion and expression through thought, speech, and action, which corresponds to the, the three worlds of Bereh, Yitzir, Asiya, what have you. But it's a split. You look at the world and you don't see the plan. A lot of times you see things that are completely contrary to Hashem and contrary to goodness. So the Yudke, Hashem's inner working, his thought process, is separated and split from the Vavke. Sometimes you see a very good person and behaving in a way that you can't understand and you say, like, what is he thinking? That's what we mean when we when we look at the world, we say, what's the plan? Like, how could there be a gullus? How could there be so much suffering? Because Yud Kim are separated. And the cause of that is Amalek, Yitzhahara, negativity. And obviously the job is to be victorious against it and unite the name. I mean, this is all parenthetical, but I think it adds clarity to the Sikha. And hence, a big part of Yiddish guy, the shame to unite Yud Kim with Vav as we say in the line right before Baruch Sha'amar. In some prayer books, they say it before every mitzvah. Coming back here. So the Rebbe says, notice that the name Yudke equals 15. Just like Hashem has these Yudke Vavke, which correspond to this structure, so to speak, that we talk about, the two intellectual levels and then the emotional and practical applications, the human soul, which is in the image of God, also has these aspects. And that's why in a Jew's service, uh, there is the Yudke, the Vavke. The job is for the mind to control the emotion and the behavior. Says the Rebbe, that's why the patriarchs lived together 15 years. There's a beautiful proverbial message here. If you want the patriarchs to live together, what does that mean? You want to live a life where you have all three columns in terms of your service to Hashem. You are motivated. All three battalions. You have a measure of love for Hashem and awe and discipline for Hashem and compassion. You got the whole picture, which as we said earlier, is the way to victory. The way to have all three battalions, you know, for active duty is to make sure that they are rooted in Yudke, in your intellect. It's a little bit counterintuitive. You might say that if you want to have the patriarchs, which represent the emotions, you should have the Vavke, because the emotions are hinted actually in the letter Vav. Says the Rebbe, no. If I'm emotion-based, there's no way I can have two opposing emotions, let alone all three at the same time, because one emotion opposes the other. It's like fire and water. How could I have this three-pronged plan at the same time and live a life as a Yid where I have all of those three emotions of my godly soul in, 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 in functioning to win this battle is not when they're just emotion-based, when these three emotions are rooted and constantly feeling the impact of the intellect. Why am I loving Hashem? Because of Hashem's greatness. Why I'm in awe of Hashem? Because of Hashem's greatness. They are rooted in the ideas, in the Chabad, which motivates them. And therefore, we see that the Avos lived together for 15 years. So they have a beautiful hint. 
If you want to have them living together, you want to have all three attributes functioning within you. You got to have the concept of 15 of Yudke. You got to have that aspect within the soul, the Yudke aspect, the intellectual aspect of your soul reigning supreme and being felt in the emotion. Because when the emotions start operating, so to speak, on their own, and they take on a life of their own, even though real healthy emotion is rooted in intellect, but now they take on a life of their own, I can get carried away. And then it's hard for me to combine it with the other emotion. The way to understand this in a clear way is think about a child versus an adult. A child cannot mix emotions. An adult can sort of have two emotions at the same time. A child is either happy or sad at the same time. Uh, uh, either happy or sad. The beauty of children is they could be happy in one second and the next second be sad and go back to happy. Because, because it's not so mature and therefore the emotions aren't rooted in foundations of intellect. They don't really have a reason to be happy or sad. They're just happy or they're sad. So they can flip on a dime. However, when they're happy, they're happy. When they're sad, they're sad. You can't mix it. It's fire and water. And the same thing with the third column. When it comes to an adult, though, a person can have a, me a measure of both at the same time. A person can also tolerate another person who is different than them emotionally and otherwise. How so? Because in adulthood, hopefully the emotion isn't just emotion-based. It's based on ideas. It's based on principles. It's based on values. Because again, in maturing human emotions, an emotion is supposed to be directed and even born out of intellect. Cassidus even says, time to chapter three, that the emotions are referred to as the children of the soul. Intellect is referred to as the father and mother and Chachma and Bina who give birth to the emotions. If, if a person is totally emotion-based, they're like a child. Emotions are called children. I'm just uh, going with whatever feels good. That's not the, the Torah way. Torah way is that the mind, the mind controls the heart and gives birth to those emotions. And therefore, the adult is able to sort of combine two opposite emotions and able to tolerate another person who's a different style of person. A child can't do that. So this is a little bit of an illustration of how when emotions are intellect-based, they're much more adaptable, they're much more tolerant, if you will, to the other type of emotion. And even within the adult, let's say a person is a servant of Hashem, and his emotion, his love of Hashem, or his awe of Hashem, are based on intellect. He learns Hasidus, he learns Torah, he understands the greatness of Hashem, and his emotion is rooted in intellect. But here, too, it could be that my emotion is rooted in intellect, but now my emotion has taken on a life of itself. And there, I still won't have the ability necessarily to combine all three platoons. Only when it is rooted in intellect can I find that combination. Think about it for a second. Let's say I develop a love of Hashem because I learned a lot of chassidus, a lot of Torah, and I feel the greatness of Hashem or the greatness of a yid or the greatness of the miracle of creation, what have you. And the person is filled with love. Great, wonderful. However, now the love starts to take on a life of its own, which is not so much the Chabad way. And now I'm, I'm all about love. Singing, I'm dancing, and I have let go of the energizer behind that love, which is the greatness of Hashem. No, I've sort of let it get carried away, which is not so much the Chabad way. 
so although those emotions are beautiful, but because it took on a life of its own, they cannot work together with the opposite emotion. I'm in the mode of love. I'm the mode of joy. I can't at the same time have the, the emotion of awe or discipline. They're opposites. They're fire and water. However, if my love of Hashem is, is infused all the time, which is the Chabad way, with the foundation and the energy of the intellect, of the idea of Hashem's greatness, which triggers it, even as the emotion grows, but it is based the whole time on the idea behind it. At the same time, I can tolerate also the opposite emotion and have all three battalions. I can have discipline. I want to fall from love, God forbid, into lust, as we discussed earlier, or from fear into hate, because it never becomes emotion with his life of its own. It's always emotion rooted in intellect, and we feel the light of the seichel. In short, and in plain English, Seichel is bittel or objectivity. Emotion is subjectivity. And when I'm subjective, I take on a life of my own and there's no room for the opposite emotion. When I'm objective, the emotion is wonderful, but it is balanced and able to see the other side. And therefore, coming back here, the Avos, says the Rebbe, lived for 15 years together at the same time. Why do they live for 15 years together? Because in Abedis Hashem, in the service of Hashem, in order to have all three emotions living together, you require the element of 15. You require the name of Yudke, which in Hashem and also within the soul's model represents Chachman Bina, the world of intellect. If I have Yudke, I have intellect. My emotion is intellect-based. I'm able to have uh, the three patriarchs at once. I got all three platoons, fighting only one. And my Yitzhahara has no chance. And I'm able to win the battle. I want to make a suggestion, which I think will help illustrate this. You know, it says that um, that uh, we say this every day, God makes peace in heaven and explain what does it mean? What does it mean, peace in heaven? What kind of war is there in heaven? So it's Chazal tell us, Michal is the angel of water. Gabriel, Gabriel is the angel of fire and do not extinguish one another. Because in heaven, you see, there's no space. You can't say go to another room. If they're both there, they're both there. So, so how do you have fire and water? Michael and Gabriel. The answer is they don't extinguish one another. But God makes peace between them. And how so? Because even though Gabriel is about fire, Michael is about water. But they're all about the service of a shed. So if you ask Gabriel, Gabriel, are you about fire? How do you live with Michael? What do you mean how I live with him? He and I are identical, even though they're totally polar opposites. Because it's not about what they are. It's about who they represent and what their, their purpose. Their purpose is Abayidus Hashem. And therefore, Michal and Gabriel do not extinguish one another, even though this is fire, the angel of fire, the archangel of fire. This is water, the essence of water. They're actually one and the same. So what do we see from here? That if there's a higher common denominator, it combines the two. They can be polar opposites. The same thing in Abedis Hashem. The heart has love. It has awe. It has the three columns. I'm sort of not delving into the middle column, but it's sort of a little bit of a combination of both. If at the heart is, the person might be a servant of Hashem, but it's an immature to childish service. It's not a Chabad service. It doesn't feel the Chabad, the source of the emotion. But it might be Michal, it might be an angel of love, the guy's filled with love of Hashem. He won't be able to tolerate somebody else who serves Hashem in a way of Gevura. 
because he's here. How could he? He doesn't understand that other side. He can't tolerate it. And the same thing is vice versa. Whereas if his service of Hashem is rooted in Hashem, why does he love? Not because he's into love, but because Hashem deserves love. And the same thing, why is the other guy disciplined and humble? Because Hashem deserves it. Then the two are really on the same page. Same thing within the person themselves. They're able to tolerate, as we said, all three of the patriarchs. Because they have Yudke, they're rooted in the source. This peace on high because they are both in the service of the higher purpose. This is perhaps why by Hasidim there was a tremendous emphasis on Avas Yisrael. Rebbe writes that the love was the thing that brought Hasidim together. of older Hasidim, you know, back in the day, Rabbi Mendel Futovas and others. And a lot of the things they talked about was about the love for one another and how Hasidim of old would literally risk their lives for one another. Rabbi Mendel would tell stories of his friendship with a Yid like Rabbi Nisan Emenov. Just to give you an example, these are two opposing people, opposite people, as far as you can get. You might say the fire and water. Rabbi Nisan Emenov was all about discipline. He was very hard on himself. He was very exacting. That was his thing. He was a Kabbalah Sayonik, a tremendous, you know, like a soldier. Rabbi Mendel was a happy guy. And he was all about love for others and love for the Rebbe, though. You know, overflowing. And yet they were on the same page. They could sit a whole night together and and and, and it's like one person. But how? The answer is without Hasidus, it's impossible. They should hate each other. How do you know that you're a Hasid when you love the other year, even if he's totally different than you? Why? Because it's not about the particulars of your expression of your Avedis Hashem, even though each of us has our own style. But it's about the purpose behind your Avedis Hashem, namely Hashem. <laughs> I'm saying plain things, but I'm making the point because I feel like it may be helpful to somebody. And therefore, coming back here, so that's why it says the Rebbe, you see what the Rebbe did in the Sicha? He took a plain idea. The Medrash tells us that Yaakov spent 15 years. And Yaakov spent his time by love on saying the 15 Psalms of Shira Malas. And the Rebbe gives it three layers of depth. First layer of depth, it's alludes, it's alludes to the three patriarchs, the number 15, the, the Psalms, because he needed their merit. Level two, why do not need their merit? Because they win a battle spiritually, and otherwise you have to have three against one, as explained earlier. And therefore the 15 represents the three patriarchs because they all live together at once. And then the Rebbe takes it a step further. And why does the number 15 represent the patriarchs? Just because randomly they happen to live together 15 years? Why? They lived together 15 years because of their togetherness. The ability to combine these three totally different columns is Yudke, is the ability to be rooted in truth, in Chachma, in, in Bina, in the higher levels. Again, parenthetically, but directly related here, this idea that my particular way of serving Hashem if it's done in a holy way, in a way of kedusha and bittel and objectivity and humility, is less important to me, as is the very fact that I'm serving Hashem, is expressed in the patriarchs in another way. That each one was so different from the other, and yet they're, they're, they're in the same column, they're all kedusha. Conversely, Yishmael and Esav, who copied, who seemed to mimic the column of their father, and they're total polar opposites. This is kedusha and this is kalipa. 
Yishmael followed the way of Abram. He's Abram's child. Abram is chesed. He is chesed. Chesed of Kalipa. And therefore Yishmael is all about lust. And the same thing Esau is all about Gevura. He says, I'm like my father. But his Gevura was hunting and rape and murder and everything bad. The ultimate Gevura of Kalipa. So Yishmael, whereas in the holiness, they didn't mimic each other at all. Yitzchak is the opposite of Avram, and Yaakov is different yet again. And yet, these are the three patriarchs. So if you look at it, you say, what do you mean? These three, they're not following each other's paths. Yishmael is following Avram. Esav is following Yitzchak. And the answer is no. Yishmael and Esav missed the boat. That's the whole point. They thought that it's about the particular expression of the emotion, where really it's about the purpose of the emotion. Esav and Avram are exactly, uh, Yitzchak and Avram are exactly identical, even though they're total opposites. Because they're both about Hashem. Avram is about Hashem expressing in this way, and Yitzchak is about Hashem in that way, and Yaakov in this way. So again, bringing home the same point, that it's through the Yudke and the 15 that we're able to bring together the three patriarchs, and that's why he said the three, the chapters of Shir Amalas during those years. And then the Rebbe says another beautiful point in the Sikha from chapter 5 and on. And the Rebbe says that these Song of Ascent, they're called songs. If you read them, they're anything but. They're full of prayers and worry. And for where will come my help? And I'm, I'm facing a battle. And my enemies are out to get me. They're not hunky-dory songs. So why are they called songs? Or in the context of Yaakov, why is he singing if he's in such bad shape and he's hoping and praying to survive this gullus of Lavan, which is a physical and a spiritual exile, he should be singing, he should be crying. So the Rebbe says, no. The point is that when a Yid, what does Yaakov teach us here? When a Yid faces adversity, they know that this is all for their benefit, and they know that ultimately this will end up being good, not only end up being good, the challenge is part of the goodness. And therefore they're singing at the time of the challenge. The Rebbe says in the footnote that Rabbi Akiva, who is said to be uh, a Gilgul, a reincarnation of Yaakov, and the later letters of the name Akiva is the same as the letters Yaakov. Rabbi Akiva is famous for this concept, that while all the sages had trust in Hashem, but when something bad happened, they cried. When Rabbi Akiva saw something bad happen, including the, the, the aftermath of the destruction of the temple, he was laughing as the famous story goes. How could he laugh? They also believe that the, the Hashem loves the Jewish people and even the destruction of the temple will ultimately lead to goodness. While Rabbi Akiva takes it a step further, he sees the goodness even in the here and now, in the destruction. He knows it's all about the benefit of the Jewish people. And it's all about bringing them to a much greater good that he even laughs now. That's where Rabbi Akiva becomes, you know, the one who's the ultimate comforter, the famous conclusion of the Tractate of Makos and the story of Rabbi Akiva, you comforted us because he's laughing in the face of struggle. Not only he knows it's going to be good, he knows the whole purpose of the struggle is the goodness. And therefore the goodness is already there, so to speak. It's happening even during the struggle. How helpful that could be to us today to understand that what we're dealing with now in the world and all these seemingly insurmountable challenges are all a further greater step to Mashiach. And really, in a sense, there should be even a laughter and a and a shira malas and a joy even now, because it's really just another step in that direction.
And the Rebbe shows you that you see it's spelled out, particularly in the first of the Shira Malos, that it says there that uh, I'm, in a, uh, I'm in a place of peace, and he shalom, but my enemies are fighting. I want peace, but my enemies want war. So I got to deal with that. And that very psalm is still called a song, a song of a sense. How? You're facing a war. How can you be in a mode of song? It's not a happy thing. And the answer is you understand that the very negativity is there to bring out your deeper juices. Because any challenge, any nisayon, any test is really, the word nisayon means test. Nisayon also means nace, a banner, a person, a yid is uplifted. And, and comes to a higher space when they're faced challenge because it brings out their deeper juices. And therefore, the, King David says, David HaMelech says, I'm all about peace, but they're about war. Let's sing. Meaning to say, says the Rebbe, that, that this brings out our greater juices. It's all there from Hashem, not that I'm asking for it. A yid is supposed to say, yeah, don't give me a test. But if I'm faced a test, I know that this test is an Isoyan, it's a banner, it's a way to uplift me greater, and therefore I'm already singing. I'm already seeing the good in the negativity, in potential, and therefore I know Hashem is not doing it for any other reason except to bring me to a greater place, and therefore I'm sort of, in a sense, already celebrating it. Says the Rebbe, this is how we should behave in Gullahs. So it doesn't mean that we should celebrate the Gullahs. We should cry that we want Mashiach now. We don't belong in Gullahs. But at the same time, there's no space for despair because we know that that darkness is really there to bring the greater light, which darkness tends to, to yield. And the Rebbe says this too is spelled out in the Psalms. One of the 15 Shira Malas, the second one of them actually, is a famous one. I lift up my eyes to the heaven from where will come my help. Says the Rebbe, a person is facing a, a challenge, a goal, a darkness, a bad situation. The first thing is lift up your eyes. See the bigger picture. See the Hashem. See this plan. What do you think? The, the Hashem wants to give you just Tzaras for Tzaras' sake? That could be very scary and that could be very disheartening. If you lift up your eyes and you see there's a God, there's a plan, it's a different ballgame. And what do you see then? May I in Yavi which in a simple sense means from where will come my help? Which seems to say from where I don't have any help. No. May I in may also means, as Chassidus, from the level in Hashem called Ayin. Ayin means nothingness. And this is referred to Chassidus as Hashem's essence, Hashem's infinity, which can't even be defined by even the names of Hashem, Yudke, Vavke, etc., which are names of Hashem, but still their names, their definitions. Sometimes a person sees a space where they can't even see a way out, that even Hashem, so to speak, the names of Hashem, the defined levels of Hashem's light cannot help them. But I and Yavayazi, where will my help come from? And that question is also the answer. Your help will come from Hashem's level of ayin, the level of Hashem that's undefinable, the true infinity of Hashem, which has no definition, it has no rules, it has no regulations, it has no limitations whatsoever. And therefore, it's able to, to find purpose and redemption in the darkest space. To the contrary, the darkness yields the greatest light. And therefore, the question becomes the answer. And then we say, as the psalm concludes, Psalm 121, as my help comes from Hashem, the creator of heaven and earth, meaning to say that this greatness, this power of Hashem's level of ayin, of the total infinity, 
then comes down through the name of Hashem, which is the, the light of Hashem, which is able to permeate creation. And it's actually manifest in heaven and earth and in our realities. 